my favorite topics and also one of my biggest challenges has to do with self-respect <clears throat> and the two are related to me respect and self-respect in other words if you if you diminish a conversation with someone or you diminish a sexual encounter with someone you minimalize it you call it a great lay and they thought it was cosmic sex. You are also minimalizing the respect that you could give to your life, your encounters, your interpretations. Therapists and even just group leaders are taught, even professors, people who work with groups are taught that people who are very disrespectful, come on Pia, come, come, typically are disrespectful of themselves, have low self-esteem, and they turn everything into a kind of a shitstorm. So we're taught to try to assist with that while at the same time not allowing ourselves to get run over, beat up, treated like trash, etc. I see this in the work that I do. It's, it's changed since the 70s and 80s, where it was so hard to find uh, someone with spiritual gifts and teachers and healers. So when we did find somebody, it was like, whoa, you know, thank you so much. And, you know, it's to travel two hours each way to sit and learn from someone for 45 minutes. And now with the internet and all the self-proclaimed instant certified gurus, Reiki masters, etc., perhaps that has something to do with people being so, mm, I want to say, committed to turning the secret into the mundane. There's a number of people that I've worked with and will have this profound work and I'll hear something like, that was a great chat. I want to have another chat with you. A chat? That's not a chat. That wasn't a chat. We weren't going back and forth talking about insignificant stuff and over some beers. Or I'll have someone say, <clears throat> you know, I want to have another conversation with you. I haven't talked to you in a couple of years or a couple of months. And a conversation with me. I've never had a conversation with you. We make an appointment. It's not for me to talk to you as a friend. This is uh, work. And why would you want to pay for a session to have a chat or to be with your friend. I mean, don't you want to work on yourself and your path with a shaman, with a medicine person, with an incredible therapist, with a teacher, someone with skill and talent, and while very friendly, there's also a lot of awe and respect for the training and skills of the craft? And it's kind of a rare skill set these days with 
the internet sort of leveling everything out. And it's sad for me. Just like I think how people would feel incredibly sad that they thought they had this great intimate encounter with someone and that person says, that was a great fuck, you wanna do it again next Saturday? And you're like, what? What happened? <laughs> that wasn't my experience. So why do people do this? Yeah, we can generalize low self-esteem, but there's a lot more to it. One is vulnerability, probably the main thing. People hate to feel vulnerable, be vulnerable, trust, and yet they'll do it, but then by kind of shitting on it afterwards, it's almost like before you can hurt me about what just happened, I'm going to turn it into a shit storm. So if you say anything, you can't hurt me because it's no longer sacred. It's no longer precious. Sometimes it is an ego trip. I had this great conversation with, there was a student I had for a while. He's met everybody, the Dalai Lama, Ma, every guru that you can imagine. And his conversation with all of them was, they love me and we talked about this and we talked about that and we had lunch and etc. Well, that's great. That's different than working with them. So what this person did was he turned everybody into their, that he could and all his encounters, he turned these people into his friend. So he's no longer getting taught. He no longer feels less than. In fact, he feels superior to most people because after all, the Dalai Lama liked him and one of the Ma's, the women gurus liked him. And because they like him, that is a sure sign that he is above everybody else. So he was kind of like a spiritual whore, except instead of using sex, he just used charm and humor and etc. But nobody was working with him and he wasn't getting anything out of it except kind of shooting up cocaine to numb out his incredibly sad view of himself and his unhappiness and the fact that he couldn't have a relationship with anybody that was intimate. So power is another part of this kind of disrespect and a way to patch up low self-esteem. And I'll have people do things to me like they'll send me pictures or they'll send me comments like they're my buddy and we're not working together. They might come to a class or two, but we're not doing any work. I'm not their friend. And there's a kind of fishing for compliments or acknowledgement, like, see, aren't I being a good student? And don't you approve of me? And isn't this great? But it is trivializing the work. And also, it's completely dishonest. Because what's really going on is, I feel so bad and I'm lonely and I don't know how to connect with people. I don't even know how to connect with you and I want to connect with you because in my mind you mean something and maybe if I can connect with you I'll feel better so I'm, I'm going to send you this picture or this joke. 
That would be more honest. A lot of times people, they will get close to anybody they deem an authority figure as a way of kind of trying to control the situation, which is if I turn you into my friend, chances are you're not going to tell me anything that's difficult to hear. This is why they have such strong boundaries with therapists. You can't go out with anybody, I think, for like a year or two after you've been clients. They have hours. They have time sessions. They don't give out personal phone numbers, etc. Because there's so much dysfunction that goes on around someone trying to bond inappropriately with someone that they want help from, but they're terrified. So what they do is snuggle up and try to pretend they're friends because then they think that's some kind of insurance that they won't get hurt or challenged in any way. Your best friend is not your therapist. They cannot be. They will never be able to challenge you the way a therapist or a teacher or a healer can. Even uh, having a sponsor from um, CODA, Codependence Anonymous, or AA, or adult children, there is also a boundary there. There's a sharing of experience, strength, and hope. I don't know a lot of sponsors that go out and party with the people they're working with or um, try to sucker up favor and, and uh, praises. The job of a sponsor is to share experience, strength, and hope So by the time someone becomes a sponsor, they usually know enough to not be giving advice or being used to prop someone up with compliments when they need to learn how to compliment themselves. We see some of this with parents, parents who become their kid's best friend. No, you're the parent. You can be a really friendly parent, but you're the parent. I had someone who used to come to class. She's a professor at uh, Cal State San Bernardino, and she used to take her graduate students, I think it was to Albania, for like a month or six weeks for graduate work. Well, you can bet they didn't go drinking together, etc. And while it was very friendly and sharing space together and being together, you know, a lot, it was a professional trip and one that they were honored to be chosen and honored to be with her and she respected them because they were top of the class and she could really give them more teaching than the regular student because of their commitment and their respect. So both parties participate in turning a an encounter into something bigger and more sacred just as you can turn it into garbage by calling it chit-chat or conversation. I know people have gotten mad at me like, why are you, why do you insist on being called Dr. Marie? Which out here I do. Well, first of all, I spent 10 years earning that doctor, so <laughs> yeah, you can call me Dr. Marie. I mean, we call Dr. Phil Dr. Phil. We don't call him Phil. Second, it's a reminder that I'm not your best friend. And it's a reminder that 
you're giving me permission to address you in a manner that is not casual and not meant to be people-pleasing and not meant to be an exchange of information. After all, I did not make the appointment with you. You made the appointment with me. And if you can't acknowledge that, you shouldn't be working with someone you don't respect or that you don't feel safe enough to respect your path. Go find someone else. A lot of times what you'll see with narcissistic type people, that doesn't mean they are narcissist or narcissistic personality disorder, just kind of entitled and self-involved, is they'll only work with people they feel bigger than. As a way not only to keep safe, but to bolster their ego. What also comes into play is gender. My teacher is an 82-year-old Chinese man. And I had someone say something nice about my shirt coming to a class. And I said, would you have told Leong you like his shirt? A man? Oh, no. (laughs) Then what are you doing? I'm not your girlfriend. We're not talking about eyeliner. We're not talking about clothes. We're here for something else. But you can turn it into nonsense if you want to because you're the one that's going to lose out. I remember Glennon Doyle talking about that in a podcast recently, and I loved it. She said she started dressing way down because she noticed that women talk to other women about looks and hair and makeup and weight. And suddenly you're not a speaker, a leader, an author, a teacher, a doctor. You're a girl. And you look good. And that's important for us women, right? Well, fuck that. (laughs) Sorry. So I love that. And it actually relates to something I used to do back in the 70s, which is I just dressed very androgynous, dressed down, to take that off the table. Like, I don't want to be approached sexually. I don't want to be assumed straight or gay. I don't want to have any discussion at all about my looks because that's not what I'm talking to you about. And we might think, well, it's common courtesy. All right, let's see you do it to both genders then. Let's see you address my 80-year-old Chinese teacher saying, we had a great conversation last time. Let's do it again. (laughs) I don't think I'd see it. I did see people, though, who would hang out after a class with my teacher and not leave and just stay there and talk and stay there and talk about nonsense, as if to say, we're together, right? I'm your friend, right? Because you have status. Without reading the vibes that other people wanted to talk or that the I'm your friend vibe wasn't being reciprocated. And... It just has to be tolerated. It's a public venue. You don't want to embarrass anybody. They're not taking the hint. So we have to look at for ourselves, what do we do to create the sacred in our life? And even if I don't respect myself, or I have low self-esteem issues, what would happen if I started 
to take a bow before encounters. What would happen if I listened and said thank you instead of blabbing away to show how much I know or crack a joke to make sure I could get the person to smile because then we're friends and then we're buddies and then they like me and then I'm okay. What does it take to turn casual sex into lovemaking? This is also an issue with the beginning of forming cults. And a lot of time cults are, I'm going to say, well, let me put it this way. I have people around me who try to treat me like a cult leader. And it's not what people do, it's how they do it. Some people bring flowers to respect the path. Other people bring flowers to win favor. Some people communicate with me to share some big insight. Others do it to go, see, I'm a good girl, and don't you like me? Look what I'm doing. I'm doing what you said. I'm doing the right things, right? Cult behavior, people-pleasing behavior, codependency. And then if, as a teacher, I'm holding boundaries, refusing to interact with unhealthy behaviors, you will often hear comments, she's cold, she's a bitch, she's blunt, why is she angry? No, just not playing the game, just not getting into the vibe that you're trying to get into with me because it's not real. It's a substitute action because you have no respect for your path and your work. So you can do that all you want, but I'm not participating. And it feels cold and hard to people then. I understand that. It's kind of like stuff you learned in Al-Anon where you have a drunk partner or a drunk kid and like, I'm not drinking with you. I'm not judging, but I'm also not doing it. Not for one second. And I don't appreciate you bugging me about it either. I've said no a million times. It's up to you to look at how you create respect there's a lovely thing I saw about taking your shoes off before you come into a house which I I do in my house for decades and they said you know it's not just about dirt on the shoes or being cool Asian culture it's acknowledging that you're about to enter your home that you take a moment And you're paying respects by kind of changing how you enter, what you bring into the home. You're not bringing in the outside world. And it gives you a moment to pause and reorganize yourself. So when you're working with someone, when you're having a formal relationship that may be very friendly, but it's also formal, or perhaps you are friends. I had a mentor studied with my teacher, she's an incredible shaman. <clears throat> and we could change hats. In other words, we could hang out and eat lunch and joke around, etc. But when it was time for a session, I was her student. And I was so grateful and so thankful and so respectful. And even when we, quote, just hung out, the hanging out was also like, wow, this is, I mean, who else would I rather be hanging out with? And the person 
who not only knows all this stuff, but when they're off duty, I get to see how they carry themselves in the world. Somebody I so respect. And I could have easily turned that into nonsense and diminished her. And that wonderful saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Well, it never did. And she never demanded that respect. Or maybe she did with energy and I just didn't know it at the time. And I've seen this with my own teacher, that people will treat him like their buddy or I'm better than you, or they snap at him in public. Wow. It just, to me, is so rude. Like, you wouldn't even do that to your friend. But because it's an authority figure and it's pushing on your ego and pushing on your vulnerability issues and your power trips. And I watched Leong just hold his ground. He doesn't say a word, just lets it go. And he just pulls his energy in around him and uh, stays in his castle, so to speak. There's nothing else you can do at the time. And sometimes you do have to step out and say something. There's been times when I've told people, for example, that even as a professor, that perhaps they had a huge body odor issue and other students were complaining. Well, if it's your friend or your neighbor, you can get all offended and huffy and ah, you're mean and you're a bitch. But if it's someone you're working with, why do you think they're telling you that? To humiliate you? Or they're explaining, this is going on and people are saying things. I'm trying to correct the situation out of love and respect for you as a person because this shouldn't get in the way of all you have to offer people. But because people have so little experience respecting themselves, they very often get triggered by someone else's boundaries or someone else's raising the bar in asking this person to step up and carry themselves in an even more profoundly respectful way. it's easy to say, you know, treat people how you'd like to be treated. But a lot of times if you're low self-esteem and low on the self-respect area and you're used to bribing people with your people-pleasing and sending gifts or pictures or jokes and we're conversing and we're chatting and I'd like to chat with you again, that will all feel normal to you. You literally will not know how to create respect or sacredness. You just won't be able to do it. And if it comes down your alley, you'll be scared shitless. I promise you that. You will run so far in the other direction if you are treated with a lot of reverence and respect and you've never experienced that before. It will be such a foreign agent to you. So how do we learn this? good question. There is no one way. Just like there's a million kinds of therapy and many of them are very effective. Some of them are nonsense, but a lot of them have evidence-based research behind to back up their effectiveness. But which one is right for you at this particular time in your life 
it is a real personal choice. I would say the beginning place to start is to watch your language with other people and start uh, treating people like practice at Walmart. Treat the cashier with a lot of respect. Treat the banker with a lot of respect. Next time you see your mom who always triggers you, treat her with a lot of respect, even if she treats you like crap. Because now you know the only reason she does that is she doesn't know any better, and she's wounded. It doesn't mean you have to take it, but it also doesn't mean you have to go down to her level. Stop labeling the sacred as the mundane. Stop shoving food in your body. Instead, feed yourself a feast every time you eat. Stop trying to win over people with pictures, jokes, cartoons, buddy-buddy stuff. And instead, step back and see, does that really even exist between us? Would I be doing this if this person was a janitor in my church? Or working at Walmart? I don't think so. So maybe I'm doing this to bolster my ego. We see this a lot with gurus where women will sleep with men of power. And then they bitch about it. Well, no one asked you to sleep with him. And, you know, he's kind of fat and ugly. And if he had been a school bus driver, you would have never slept with him. Because he had this title, whether it was Harvey Weinstein, and I'm not victim-blaming, but I'm asking for some accountability here. If he was a school bus driver asking you up to the hotel room for a meeting at 10 o'clock at night, would you have gone? No. If this was someone from your church who already knows that you screwed up and you did some really bad things and had to go to court, would you be trying to buddy up with them and showing them what a good person you are? Or are you hiding from them because they know something about you and you're too embarrassed now to show your face? It always comes back to the same first step. Start where you are, as Pema Chodron says. Look at your choices. Look at what you're doing to whom. Ask more questions of yourself. Role play it again, out loud. With a friend, even. See how it feels. Start getting curious about who you are and the choices you make and how you operate instead of plotting and planning how to people please or sound cute or brilliant or wise or funny or kind. Start listening to yourself when you talk more. Start examining your choices. Start practicing with turning things into the sacred. Like, I'm walking my dog, and I'm talking to a friend, and I'm eating some food, versus we're going on a walk. And together we're smelling the grass, and looking at the bunny, and sunset, looking at each other. And all of a sudden, this is a big deal. Start listening to your kids, like really listening. 
start noticing how you listen. Do you slouch? Do you do other things? Do you say, uh-huh? Do you think only about yourself while listening to someone else? All you can think about is what they're thinking of you, what you're going to say, or are you really listening? Start reading. Self-educate on low self-esteem, on respect, on creating the sacred. Start creating the sacred throughout the day, two, three, four, five times a day. When you eat an apple, when you open the door, when you take off your shoes to come in the house. Experiment, practice, don't wait to be told. Don't wait to win approval. Don't suck up to get a pat on the head. Try it for yourself. See what works, see what doesn't work. Learn to be confused. When you're confused, you're learning. You're confused, try it a couple of different ways. See how it goes. The field I work in is kind of weird because people nowadays want to be entertained by readings. They want to be told that they're the goddess or the god or their chakras are spinning the right way or they have a gift or a talent. They wouldn't go to a therapist for that and yet so much of the work I do is plain ordinary old therapy because that has to be kind of gotten out of the way before you can start getting into the magic. So see if you can find a way to start self-validating, self-soothing by doing the work yourself instead of trying to seduce or charm or buddy up to someone you think is groovy or has something that you want that you don't have and you're trying to seduce them into giving you approval rather than you going through the uncomfortable learning process of trial and error. See what happens with that. It's amazing how rich your day can become when you spend time and focus on creating respect, creating the sacred. I remember uh, at one point, one of the students before we required students to call us professor because they were treating us all like their bar buddies. This one student, he did call the professors, professor or whatever their name was. And I said, why do you do that? He goes, because I want to study with the best and I respect who teaches me. And I show that respect by using their title. What's wrong with that? I said, nothing. It's just rare, unusual. It's really cool. So play with it. Have some fun. See what works out. Stop making appointments with me for chit-chat or conversation. Because <laughs> that's what you'll get then. Chit-chat and conversation. Because I can't take you any deeper than you're willing to go. I hope this helps. And hope to see your life path healings. <laughs>